Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, we're a week into training camp. We're a full week into August. My goodness, it is definitely now football season. They even played some NFL football. Yeah, we're we're no longer projecting. You know, like there there's the it's not the season yet, obviously, but uh and, and this is what we'll get to on this show. But the off season I consider it over now. The preparations have begun, the preseason has begun, as you mentioned, in the NFL. So it is it is football time and boy, it, it could not come at a better time. Well, let me put it to you this way. The other team in all of sports that I follow and I care about are the New York Mets. So you're begging for football. I am begging for it. Exactly. I, baseball season's over. It, isn't it, isn't over. it incredible, by the way, that new ownership, new expectations, new culture, same Mets. <laughs> I know it's like the LOL Mets. That's what you see all the time. The only good thing is it is great to have the richest owner in sports as the owner of your team, because instead of just saying, okay, everything went to crap. We suck. That's the way it goes. They were able to quickly pivot and get something for those 40 year old pitchers they got some really good minor league players. Bodes well for the future. But for 2023, Jim and every other Mets fan is saying, is it football yet? And yeah, it is. It is. So, so let's get to it. As you alluded to, Dusty, this also marks the pretty much the official end of the offseason. So we thought this would be a good time. Let's just go back, review this offseason kind of set the uh, stage for where we are going forward. So that's what I'd like to do. Let's let's hit it. I want to start with one of the things that I think is the biggest change, biggest transition during the offseason is there were two coaching changes made on the Penn State staff, and I think they were polar opposites in how they were handled. Yeah, boy, I mean, they, they, they really were. So... Taylor Stubblefield, start start with that one. I think that's the bigger of the two at this point in time. Taylor Stubblefield, it's a surprise, you know, for for James Franklin to make an aggressive move and and move on from from him. But you know, I I, I think in in hindsight, yeah, Jay, he wants more out of his wide receiver position. He I don't know whether he needs more development or uh, whatever. You know, I think T- Taylor Stubblefield did a pretty good job with some of those guys like Parker Washington and J- Jahan Dotson, but. Uh, clearly, James Franklin was not satisfied with the work being done there, and that probably includes on the recruiting front. That might include, you know, maybe the urgency this offseason to really address that position more. So uh, they hire Marcus Hagens from Virginia, who just seems, I guess, probably like a better fit all around for for Franklin and and the staff. Um, obviously, we have to wait and see to see if this is a a better hire uh, or whatever, but. You know, the, the work there is really important for this team. 
Um, you have a lot of guys who are maybe year two, year three type players who haven't done it yet, uh, that you need at least one or two of them to emerge and do it. Uh, and there's a bunch of names. You know, I've been hearing Liam Clifford a bit too, uh, the early in training camp. Caden Saunders is one of those guys. Malik Mega, what about what about him? There was a lot of um, hope for him a couple years ago that just hasn't really panned out yet. So, you know, development at that position is hugely important for for this season and beyond. And then I think recruiting at the position as well. So that one was uh, a surprise. But as we saw when he hired Mike Yersich, if there's a move that he feels needs to be made and he has to be the bad guy for it, uh, I admire the fact that he's doing it. I wasn't sure if that would be something that was in him or not. And uh, and he's done it here a couple of times now recently with Taylor Stubblefield. And I think, Dustin, that's the thing. And I think a lot of our listeners could relate to this into um, private industry, real life, ever having to let go of a person. That's not an easy process. It's not easy at all. And, you know, to have to do that proactively there's no doubt this was not a mutual uh you know taylor stubberfield came out with a uh, tweet or somewhere where he defended himself and you know his process and what he's accomplished but the fact is simple recruiting front hasn't been great development hasn't been great the couple guys that you mentioned you know jahan dots and parker washington They've been the exception to the rule. The rule has been the other guys who haven't developed. And I think you're right, James Franklin, he feels even if it's, I don't want to call it the pressure of this season, but he sees the opportunity and he doesn't want to let it pass. And he's done a great job with the rest of his coaching staff. He wasn't going to let the wide receiver coaching position drag him down. Now we have something a little different on the defensive line where John Scott, he was the guy who chose to move on an NFL career. So it's not like he was pushed out the door. seems like a very good opportunity for him. And you also have the new coach, Dion Barnes, who was an internal hire. So again, very, very different than that wide receiver coaching position. Yeah, not by choice, hiring from within, hiring young, hiring unproven, uh, relatively unproven. I did enjoy, and this was pretty fresh. I think we talked about it on the show maybe two weeks ago, um, Franklin's story about hiring Dion Barnes, how he thought it was more or less a token interview that he was giving him because they had other big names. You know, if you've got established defensive line coaches coming in from the pro ranks, from the college ranks, other power five experiences, um, that's a lot for, for Dion Barnes to kind of win the day. Um, he had some big things in his favor, which were the players that he'd been working with. Um, and, and the fact that he's got in internal, uh, experience at Penn state, he's from there. He comes from there. He's got recruiting experience that he can sell, uh, and all that won the day, you know? And I think that should make people kind of excited. Like this is a position that Penn state has been, uh, I don't know if sneaky consistent, but they've been really consistent along the defensive line, transitioning from Larry Johnson uh, all the way on through to John Scott and now to Deion Barnes. This is a position that they need to remain consistent. They've, they've got playmakers there too. They need to continue to develop there uh, on the recruiting front. 
some huge wins for Deion Barnes pretty early in, in his time there um, at defensive tackle, Liam Andrews being, being one of them. So, so far, so good on that. Um, the players seem to love him. He, he seemed to have done an, a great job on his interview. I, I think it seems like a really good hire that obviously you will need a little bit of time to say that for sure. Exactly. But the first uh, uh, reviews are good. You know, the, the recruiting is so important. It looks like he passed that test. Um, by the way, it looked like Marcus Haynes also passed that test with the wide receiver recruiting. So that's all good. The players responding to him. And what I really liked is when the players talked about uh, Deion Barnes, there was that really real sense that Barnes was a very hands-on coach. He was part of it one-on-one with technique and so on that the players seem to feel like he's already made a difference in my play. And that's before he even officially took the position. That's a good sign, Dusty. And it's that it's more than just, oh, it feels good because we got a Penn State or there. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's the, that's the mystery, uh, uh, teaching and coaching and inspiring the group that he's got. Um, what we knew about Dion before he was uh, hired for this position was that essentially he could lock down Philadelphia, right? Like he can help recruit Philadelphia. And I think that's absolutely true coming from there and, and spending some time coaching there. But I think just in terms of connecting, especially let's say with city kids and, and sharing his experience and, and how it could be beneficial, like the, his his story is a really valuable story for this coaching staff too. And so if if he combines the coaching with his clear ability to connect, to relate to 17 and 18 year olds, not all coaches can do that. Some can try. Uh, I can picture Deion Barnes sitting in the living room more so than I can Jim Harbaugh sitting in the living room. That's a bad example because Harbaugh's recruiting at a high level. But how about Kirk Sharaka? I think I'd rather sit down and have a conversation with Deion Barnes. <laughs> well, and, and the age thing is part of that. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago that he was in a Penn State uniform. So you got that um, he could relate to the culture of Penn State. He can sell Penn State as a Penn Stater. I went to Penn State when I just talked to people in general, you know, potential students going there. I could talk as a Penn Stater. Deion Barnes has that. The difference between Deion Barnes and me is about 30-some years. (laughs) (laughs) Not much. You guys are pretty much the same guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Similar athletic background. Height. Um, But... Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, we're probably a lot closer in weight than we are in height. But (laughs) those things all come together. But with all of that said, Dusty, if you can't coach, it doesn't matter. And I like what you talked about early on where James Franklin, and I hope what he presented to the public was very true, that he said, you know what, I didn't go in with this with a bias towards him. I went in with an open mind where we were going to go, and he won the day. And that, if, and I have no reason not to believe him when James Franklin says that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's no, 
what's the incentive to make up this tall tale about not wanting your current position coach? You know, like I, I, I just, I can't imagine that being some huge lie. Like maybe there's an exaggeration about the other types of candidates who were there. Maybe he, he's playing up how good the other candidates were. I'm sure they got some good ones though. I mean, it's a good job, but yeah, I, I definitely believe him when it, when he says like he didn't, he, he couldn't see himself hiring uh, Dion Barnes. And again, I think there's some credit due to, you know, not not carrying that with him through the hiring process. Well, and uh, I think you hit it, though, when saying it's a good job. I'm sure there were a lot of coaches that would be interested in this. And we've seen it with the other coaches on the staff. This is now and I call it an elite coaching staff. It is very good. And we saw with what James Franklin did at the wide receiver position, he's not messing around. It's important to him to get the right guys. And I don't think this was a compromise solution here. I think he really wanted them. He wanted them. He got his guy. So far, everything seems to be going well. Dustin, that wasn't the only offseason topic. There's plenty more, and we'll get back to it in quarter number two. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. We are talking about our off-season stories leading us into the season. Uh, Quarter number one, we talked about the new coaches, which I thought was a pretty important topic, Dustin. A lot of other things went on. The big story on this team, if you look at things from a national perspective and what people are talking about, so much of it is at quarterback. You have high expectations for this team everywhere, and the most important position, you're handing the keys over to the inexperienced guy And the other part of this equation is James Franklin hasn't had to do this very often in his tenure at Penn State. 
changing over to a new inexperienced quarterback. So everybody is wondering, hey, will Bo Perbula live up to the expectations? <laughs> well, hey, he's got to win this competition first, Jim. Um, <laughs> that was a, that was a nice delivery there. It threw, threw me off a bit. So let's just assume, I don't know if it's a safe assumption, let's just assume Drew Aller is the guy for the job. Um, and by the way, I have a question too. I, I, I sincerely don't know the answer. As we sit here today, uh, a couple weeks away from the season, whatever, are fans, are any fans missing Sean Clifford? Are any fans, would, would, would fans rather have that known versus this unknown? Who? Bo Perbola. <laughs> My answer is no. I don't think people are missing Sean Clifford. And uh, I say that and I, I joke a bit, but I still appreciate what he did, did for this team did for Penn State, did for the fans. It's time to move on. It's Drew Aller's time. And I don't know if I have bumped into or will bump into anybody who says, boy, I wish Sean Clifford were around for another year. Now, get back to me when after Drew Aller has a bad game. Yes, that, that's all. That's always the key at, the, at this position. Uh, I was at my parents' house last night, and they follow Penn State football really to a limited point. And the only thing he, my, my stepdad really said was, I don't think that kid should have come back for a sixth year. <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, yeah, I think everybody kind of feels a bit like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I do admire Sean Clifford, and I, I hope that the NFL unlocks more ability for him. And um, you know, four years as a starting quarterback is a really long time. And I think just there was just a little bit of impatience that, you know, we we thought we'd see more over time, right? We thought we would see certain progressions and things like that. You would see uh, him leading them to something bigger. Now, to go out the way that he did is a deserving note. Like, nobody would ever make the case that Sean Clifford did not put enough into the program. He put everything into the program, and there's a lot of admiration involved there. And I think that plays into the quarterback transition because because the fact that he came back for year six, I've, I fully believe, and I know this is a coaching point and whatever, but I fully believe that spending a year uh, appreciating that investment and kind of seeing how a 60-year quarterback goes about his job can be a beneficial experience for Drew Aller, again, assuming he wins the starting job. Um, and now the the knowns versus unknowns. You know, I I, I would, I, I, if I were choosing in this situation, I would choose to go for the former five-star who showed a lot of promise in a little bit of a time as a freshman, who showed poise, who has a rocket arm, who has some good instincts in the pocket, a good feel for the position, probably can throw under pressure a little bit better than Sean Clifford. I think he's just a more natural quarterback through and through, you know, experience is going to play a part and experience is going to play a part in, in how he handles things. And I think some of that is more, you know, rebounding from a, a bad interception, uh, rebounding from a bad game, you know, carrying that pressure. And I think uh, Michael Robinson or Todd Blackledge told, they talked at, at big 10 media days about Aller a bit. And just you know, understanding and being the starting quarterback uh, and the expectations and the feelings and everything, the pressure that comes along with that. You know, these are all new things and they, they're going to, you know, require a time to evaluate. But seeing Drew Aller walk onto that field at Purdue, not phased at all. Like, I know it wasn't 
you know, Death Valley or anything like that. I understand that, but it's a, it's a big 10 game at night with a crowd that's somewhat lively and it hangs in the balance. And he looked like he was just rolling out of bed, kind of like I did when I showed up for the show this morning. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, I, I think that carries. And I think that carries into all these areas that we don't know about. And the other part to this equation, Dusty, is if we could all agree, Sean Clifford was the higher floor, lower ceiling. Uh, Drew Allers, the higher ceiling. If you are Georgia, if you are Alabama, you can live with the quarterback that you say, just don't lose the game for us, okay? Just be the game manager. That's enough. At Penn State, the game manager gets you to 10 wins, but you're always going to lose those two games to Ohio State and Michigan. What Penn State needs is the higher ceiling if they're going to break through. So I would like to take that chance on might it mean I'm risking going nine and four or, you know, eight and four, but with the chance to go 11 and one or 12 and oh, you know what? I'll take that chance. Yeah. So and and ev- eventually I, I think we're all ready for Drew Aller. I think even eventually, you know, the eight and four starts to disappear if he's everything he looks to be. Um, and, and you're may, maybe you do have gr- a growing pain kind of year. Maybe this is not uh, the right time to be carrying a team that ha- it really does have college football playoff potential. It's probably James Franklin's best team. Uh, it's really good in all the areas you want to be really good. And I think to that point, um, you can allow Drew Aller to begin the season as more of a game manager. Um, I, I don't think you need to put a lot of burden on him as he's really going through the bulk of his growing pains to, to win games with, with his arm. I think he absolutely can. And I think even in games like, let's say, Ohio State and Michigan, they might not be asking that of him because they've got an outstanding defense. They might be able to kind of create some short fields out of that. They've got a great running game that makes all the sense in the world to try to create plays that way. And Nick Singleton is such a big play threat on the ground. I don't think you're really conceding much. Um, by by saying, hey, we're going to focus on on the ground game behind that offensive line. You know, they have the ability here to be patient and not let Drew Aller get consumed by the hype. And I think what is it, six games into the year is Ohio State. You know, he kind of better be ready for that one because even if he's a manager for fifty nine minutes, he might be asked to to win the game for him. He might be asked. He very well could be asked to to mount a two minute drive to to tie or win the game. And Dustin, you know, even though I mentioned this is not Alabama or Georgia, this is a really good team. So if you're Drew Aller, this is the best position to be put in. You've got a good offensive line. You've got the good running game. You've got a wonderful defense. So the there won't be as much pressure on him because he's got such a great supporting cast. Uh any more, Dusty, another topic of every offseason is going to be the transfer portal. And I think we've learned over the years now for James Franklin, he's not going to make those monster uh, acquisitions at the transfer portal. He's not going to bring in a dozen guys. He's going to yeah. be selective. But he brings in some quality over quantity. We've seen that over the last several years. I can mention people like Giga. Ibikidi, uh Chop Robinson. This year, Dante Cephas, he needed somebody at wide receiver. 
Now he also brought in Malik McLean, another guy who we don't know if he'll just be depth at wide receiver or be a factor. Brought in Trey Potts to be that number three running back. He brought in Storm Duck <laughs> at cornerback, even though that didn't last very long. He even brought in a punter. So he's been selective. If you're looking at this transfer portal list, what's the message you get from it? Well, I think my message with Penn State in general, and I'll, I'll I think some, some thoughts on the list, obviously, but my message with Penn State in general is that they're not having these jarring departures. They're not having the starting quarterback leave. And I mean, it's bound to happen at some point in time. They're not having a really key player that they'd had high, high hopes for or that they needed back the following season in order to, to have a winning team. They're not losing these guys to the portal. And I don't know what exactly the message is there, but it's it would seem that, you know, playing at Penn State um, and playing for that coaching staff is a content experience. You know, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of people, a lot of kids who are grumbling. Uh, the ones who end up leaving are the ones who you get it. You know, they're, they're, they're in pursuit of something bigger than they likely would have ever gotten. And the list this offseason is like Christian Veyu, uh, Jimmy Christ, Marquise Wilson, like those guys pursue, go, go, go try to find a bigger role someplace because uh, I don't think the writing was on the, was even just on the wall. I think that was, they were beaten over the head with the fact that like, look, we got, we got guys, you're behind them on the depth chart. It's unlikely for things to change. So that I think has been the story of Penn state and the transfer portal. They haven't gone as, as huge in acquisitions as the others have, but they also haven't created unnecessary churn by having guys leave. So now with, with this, you know, I think they're they are selective uh, with the portal. It, I, I think they're sticking by what they say when it comes to you know they they really just want to pursue players that they have background on. They knew them through recruiting, um, that kind of thing. And you look at the, the list. You know, Trey Potts is is a really important acquisition, a veteran third back. Uh, not going to be sizzling, not going to be the one that, that makes headlines, but in terms of playing a role on the team, that's an important role because it was very much unknown who could play it. And if they had anybody who could, uh, Dante Cephas, you know, he is very much in the running for the number three wide receiver job. Um, we'll see if he wins it or not. Malik McLean, I, I just keep thinking about Saeed Blackdown when I think of him, like he's a big physical athletic specimen, uh, you know, if he were able to put it all together, maybe he would have done it by now, but we'll see what happens with him. Uh, Storm Duck was the the rare one who actually flew south after the winter. hey <laughs> But I think they recruited so well there, but then they had they needed somebody. Aldavian Collins might be the only one. I don't know if they knew him very well or not. Uh, he just seemed like he was the best player av- available, uh, and they needed somebody, a cornerback, a veteran. And then Riley Thompson, maybe he's the starting punter. You know, at the very least, he, he pushes uh, Alex Pachetta, who's a really talented kid, uh, to try and get better and more consistent. And they've done it both. They've got, you know, folks like Chop Robinson who come right, step right in and play and do well. But I, when I think of like Collins at cornerback, I can't help but think because it's the same position, Johnny Dixon. When Johnny Dixon came in, I think Penn State fans collectively shrugged their shoulders and said, okay, Johnny Dixon, you know, depth, whatever. Oh, my goodness, are we glad they brought Johnny Dixon in. So I I don't want to underestimate this coaching staff. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter two. We're going to keep going with our offseason stories in quarter number three. 
Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. We're talking about the offseason. We're wrapping it up as we head into the 2023 season, Dusty. And it's really interesting to watch the expectation level, not just locally with Penn State fans, Penn State media, but even nationally about the expectation levels for this Penn State teams. I mean, we've seen some early top 20 uh, releases. Penn State's in the top 10 with almost everybody. Some places as high as like number five, of course, they'll, they're still behind Ohio State and Michigan typically, <laughs> right. but you come off a Rose Bowl win, 11-2. and two, The expectation levels are so high for this team. That is something new, and I guess it's something we've got to take into account for how the team reacts to it. But my first question, Dustin, is why are the expectation levels so high for this team? Well, I think it's just, it's what's established coming back. And, you know, a lot of the, but the quarterback, you know, like I, I think in, in either direction, I think there are people out there who are assuming Drew Aller is going to be great. There are people out there who are really pumping the brakes about the quarterback. And my point with that would be, obviously it's a huge position. It's very, very important, but again, early in the season, what they have coming back is fueling a lot of these expectations. If you told somebody you had a very, very good offensive lineback, you had uh, excellent pass rushers, not good ones, not just one of them. You have three dynamic pass rushers plus Abdul Carter, who's like another pass rusher on the next layer of the defense. If you have that, if you've got one of the best cornerbacks in the country, one of the best left tackles in the country, two guys who are very, very capable of going for a thousand yards uh, on the ground, 
you know, like those are ingredients that that make for expectations. And it's not un- I, don't, I don't think the expectations are unfair um, at all. I don't really put, you know, so much on Drew Aller early on. Um, like, obviously, he's going to have to make plays as the season goes, as we talked about before. But um, I think anybody who's using Drew Aller as, as a reason to knock Penn State down, I, I, I just I don't really buy it that much. But they've got so much coming back. And I'll stick with this talking point that I've made a bunch of times. The most premium positions in football, left tackle, edge rusher, cornerback, uh, quarterback in, in there, too. Penn State is pretty well covered in there. It has a really good player or multiple really good players at those spots. So, yeah, I mean, this is a really good team. And if you think about, okay, like number five uh, by USA Today, like that's that's a high ranking and uh, whatever. But seven, eight, and ten are the other ones that I'm seeing. And it's like, man, you think about where Penn State generally seems to end normal seasons. It's like they're in that range anyway. Like, I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say that they're the eighth best team in the country. I think what we're seeing more recently, though, the last couple of weeks is stuff beyond that. The conjecture about uh, somebody said they have the the by far the best defense in college football. And, um, you know, like they're, they're, you're going to see some things that, uh, I saw a, bet, a betting expert say he's betting all the way on Penn State as a dark horse to make the playoff and uh, and stuff like that. There, you're going to see stuff like that, and you know I think the question in my mind is uh, obviously how how do the players absorb that because it's a different layer of pressure and things like that every single week, and you're going to frame no matter how much you don't want to your your mind's going to go to a place where you frame, did we just did, you know, beating West Virginia by a touchdown. Does that, are we as good as people say? Like there is a little bit of that. And I also think that historically James Franklin has been much better in situations where little is expected than where a lot is expected. So that, that whole idea that a lot is going to be expected, especially as if they go through the season uh, and, and they're unbeaten, then they start climbing the poles a bit. Well, Dustin, I, very similar to what you talked about when you said you've said this multiple times, really, really good players at really, really important positions. And I explain my perspective on this multiple times. And I think I explain it because I don't want to sound dumb because I make a stupid comment, which is the difference between Penn state and Michigan and Ohio state and the Georgias and Alabama's is those teams have more good players. Okay. That's what Penn state needs to do. But when I'm talking about good players, I'm really talking about great players, elite players, standout players, guys who could change a game. And now Penn State has those and I think can match up with just about any other team in the country when you're talking about stars. I mean, literally, maybe the best player at their position. Kalen King at cornerback probably can match up with any cornerback in the country. Abdul Carter could match up with any linebacker in the country. Chop Robinson may be the best defensive end in the country. Nick Singleton might be the best running back in the country. And it's not like, okay, after that, there's this huge drop-off. No, there's still players that are on that next level, very close to that superstar level. A Katron Allen at running back, a Theo Johnson at tight end. The other two defensive ends, a Curtis Jacobs as the second best linebacker on your team, where he would be the star linebacker so many other places. Penn State could finally match up, and 
you know, I'm trying hard not to put it all on Drew Aller. Like, the team's going to go as he goes like that. The team's going to win a lot of games because of all the other talent around. But, boy, if they've got a star at quarterback also, Dusty, this is a really, really special team, a playoff-level team. It is. And, and um, you know, I, 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 on a personal level, I do think Drew Aller is going to be that guy. Like I I've seen enough in, in my mind to, to make the conclusion that, that he is going to be that guy. And what it kind of comes down to when you're saying, you know, Penn state has as many difference makers and we did a whole show about difference makers, uh, past and present, uh, future difference makers. We did a whole show about this topic. And, you know, my calculation said, you know, this, this team has probably twice as many difference making talents as any other team that James Franklin has had. And that includes 2016. So, yeah, so they're, 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 they are armed with, with talent. You know, what it kind of comes down to, if you're going to go toe-to-toe and you're going to say, hey, we're in the same neighborhood as Ohio State, we're in the same neighborhood as Michigan, we're in the same neighborhood if you make the playoff as Georgia or whatever, you know, you're going to have to make timely plays. And that is, you know, there's tangible stuff there, but there's also intangible stuff. You know, how many times has Penn State been in position and played right there with Ohio State only to see the game slip away late? You know, you have to change you have to change that script as much as anything. Somebody's got to take a stand and say, no, this is not happening again and make the play that Penn State finishes the job. You know, and, and that is an intangible thing. Like, I think they're in, you're in better position with the better players you have. But there's also, you know, like you also have to uh, the competitiveness has to be there and the, the timeliness of, of making plays has to be there. That's the, the, the difference. You know, you can be a, this team can be great and still go 11 and two, just like all the other teams that Penn State has had that, that have gone 10 and two, 11 and two. So to, to be different and to truly be special, those difference making players, I know it sounds dumb, but they have to make difference making plays in these two big games that they keep kind of finding ways to lose. Part of that equation, Dusty, and it's going to segue into my next topic, which is the coordinators. I have more confidence going into this season in the coordinators than I ever did at Penn State uh, between Manny Diaz and Mike Yursich. And I know they're the same as the guys last year, but that's part of the equation too, the consistency that comes from it. And I'm, I'm more confident, and this might be sacrilegious because we all loved Joe Moorhead years ago, but when they had that big lead against Ohio State and I, you know, Penn State gets the ball late and I'm just saying, oh my God, if they run that RPO, slow developing, that merge, that mesh point where, you know, Trace uh, McSorley hands it off to Saquon Barkley and it's slow and he's going. And the two Ohio State defensive ends, they got there as early as Saquon Barkley did. You know, it was just, yeah, it, this is what we do kind of deal as opposed to, I think Mike Yursich has that creative gene in him. I have confidence in Mike Yursich. I think he really showed last year just how um, creative and resourceful he was. And Manny Diaz, you know, we've talked man crushes. I got a man crush on Manny Diaz as the defensive coordinator. Um, He's got tremendous talent back there. He really does. However, he knows how to use it. 
and I think there's, and it's funny how you, how you, you know, you can think about the offensive coordinator and you think about the two different things that they're doing. One is the macro uh, scheme installation, playbook installation, uh, perfecting the, the plays that you have available to you. And the other one is the, the micro, the, the play calling component of it. And even smaller as play calling in a tight situation. And I think, uh, it's not unfair to say that Mike Yersich has shown a little bit more boldness and flair in these game situations. Now, I think it's a lot easier to show creativity and flair whenever you can block, you know, and, and I think that was the difference between 2022 and 2021, Mike Yersich, that the ability to block allows your offensive coordinator to really explore some things. Uh, and I think to his credit, like, I think there's, there's some of that uh, mesh point stuff, but they're, they've also said, you know, why waste an additional second when we can get the ball in Nick Singleton's hands faster, get him moving, you know, that that's the best recipe for, for anything. So I think, yeah, Mike Yersich, uh really great job last year. And I think he's got the tools to be great and be creative and be visionary and be bold again uh, in 2023. And that includes Drew Aller, what you can ask him to do, like pushing the ball downfield. And then my question for you with Manny Diaz is, have you ever seen him like not poised, like not under control? Like granted, we don't spend an entire game staring at him. Uh, maybe you do because he's a man crush, but, uh, <laughs> but he's he got just great seems, hair, doesn't he? He, he does. And, and boy, you and I can appreciate good hair. We've been, we've been longing for it a majority of our lives. So we can, we can <laughs> definitely see that, but uh, he just looks like he's in control all the time. He's got boldness too. And I think, I think that that boldness on both sides of the ball, when you have the players, you got them be bold. You know, and, and it's not even like wild, crazy swinging risk. It's like, let's pressure the quarterback. So much good can be, can, can come out of it. And I've got so many people who can do it. And that's going to be, I think, even at a higher level uh, this fall. And that ability to adjust and adapt. We saw the development, not only of Abdul Carter, but how they use him throughout the season. And we saw, yes, I know it was short yardage situations, but Mike Yersich said, you know what? I got three t- really good tight ends and I got two really good running backs. Huh, maybe I should put them all on the field. And it worked pretty Love well, that. didn't it? All right, that's it for quarter number three, Dustin. We're going to bring it home strong in the fourth quarter. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. 
lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. And Dusty, in the background, I was hearing baby Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Making her appearance. She makes she makes her voice known, doesn't she? <laughs> Just wait. Just wait till she's 14. I had somebody uh this week I talked to Dusty and our last week's show, Baby Charlotte made her, I think, first appearance on the show. Or <laughs> uh and the gentleman said, you know what? Can't get enough baby Charlotte. Want more? Oh. Give me more. How about how about 60 full minutes in that next week? <laughs> Riveting. I, I think small doses might be better. (laughs) All right. We've been talking about some of the off-season stories, and we've been talking uh, puppies and rainbows and flowers and all that. Here's the downside to some of the conversation about uh, this team during the off-season. What about wide receiver? What about defensive tackle, right? Are you concerned, and which one concerns you more? Well, defensive tackle concerns me a bit more. And uh, I had seen some kind of, I, I wish I could give credit to who, but some kind of national voice was concerned about replacing Tig Brown and Joey Porter Jr. in the secondary as as a concern too. That one is very much third on I the list. I think that was James Franklin. Uh, maybe, maybe it was. He, he's, a, he's a national um, media figure. Um <laughs> But yeah, defensive tackle, and I've I've been accused, and I've been I've been beating this drum, and I'll I'll be receptive to it after the fact. But like, I I still I still have some concerns there, you know. I I have con- some concerns against like the Illinois and Michigans of the world, uh, and I've made that point. I I don't want to kind of beat a dead horse with it, but like after seeing them get washed away by Michigan last year, and figuring that they without PJ Mustafer, they're smaller they're a little lighter they're a little less established in terms of just owning the line of scrimmage yeah i think i think that's a bit of a concern um now do they have talent there absolutely they do uh james franklin seems to really like the way that De- uh, devon ellies is, is going about his business and jordan Vander- vandenberg has gotten a lot bigger and stronger because i is i still believe in his upside uh hakeem beeman last i looked he was at 280 on on the uh on penn state's roster uh, I don't know if he'll play that that weight or not. Like, obviously, he can make some plays. They they run, you know, five six deep for sure with guys who are capable of making plays. It's just, are you capable of making plays against like the caveman football that beat you last year? That's that's my concern. And I think it is legitimate, Dusty, because if you're another team, obviously we know how Michigan wants to play the game versus say how Ohio State wants to play the game. There's differences. And I do believe there's an element of there are so many other positions of strength on this Penn State defense. The defensive ends may be as good as anybody's in the country. You could maybe say the same thing at linebacker when you start with Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs. The DBs, remember, we're starting with perhaps the best cornerback in the country with Kalen King. 
so sometimes it's just in comparison. It's relatively weak because everything else is so strong on the defense. And because of that, if I'm one of those Neanderthal-type teams who thinks, hey, I could ram it down your throat and play that way. We all remember a couple years ago what Illinois did, a very much undermanned talent-wise compared to that Penn State team. So they put, what, 13 offensive linemen on the field at the same time and just said, we're going to pound it at you, and we're going to turn the game into a rock fight. And that was effective when you had a lesser team. So, yes, I understand that concern. I get it. And I think it's legitimate to those guys prove it's not. Okay. Right, right. The burden's on them at, at that position. And I feel like you're about to transition to wide receiver there. Were you not? Yes, I was. There you go. <laughs> transition away. Well, and, and I think there's a similarity in the position that there's a lot of guys there, a lot of decent players there. And a lot of numbers at wide receiver. Now, who's going to step up? And will having a quarterback with the arm like Drew Aller, will that make the wide receivers look better? I know good wide receivers can make the quarterback look good, but it's also vice versa. And what I'm wondering is, are there guys with those some special tools that they're going to develop? Remember, we love Caden Saunders coming in. Now, you know, because he didn't come in as a true freshman and light it up, you know, are we disappointed? Well, we wanted more. Are we going to see it now? I happen to be a huge Trey Wallace guy. I think there's a lot of tools there, but are we going to see him excel? Amari Evans in this speed. Are we going to see those things, Dusty? And isn't it like every single player on that depth chart, you're asking some form of question. You know, there's not one player where you're like, I'm sure of it. You know, obviously there's potential there. And I think, you know, the probability suggests that a couple of these guys are going to emerge. You know, there's so many players who, you know, I think ended last year kind of on the cusp of that. Caden Saunders, Amari Evans, uh, I'll throw Malik Megan in that category. Liam Clifford, there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of noise there with, with him. And I think he's such a good, precise route runner that he – he can find himself a role there. So what they need, and th- and this is where it's like kind of like a like a double question. What they need is, you know, four or five guys to emerge and take a, a pretty solid to big next step. They also don't have a true blue number one wide receiver. You know, Keandre Lambert Smith has spent time as a number three. He's looked really good at times. He has been, you know, he made like 24 catches last year. You know, you need not only for four or five guys to emerge further down the depth chart and win those jobs and can and compete, but you also need Keandre Lambert Smith as the the top candidate to emerge as somebody who who defenses have to respect and fear. You know, you can win without a number one wide receiver. You can win without like a, a big time group of wide receivers. Like there are quarterbacks who have done that. Um, but you know, Penn state is in the position like they, they need to either do that or they need to develop a bunch of these guys, uh, in, in a hurry. And I think it's all possible. These are, these are guys that I've liked for a long time, you know, but there's a lot of questions that need to be answered this training camp. I don't know what the pecking order looks like when they come out of it, to be honest with you. And I'm not sure what we see in game one is going to be the same pecking order. We're going to see in game six or game seven, dusty. Um, finally, the final topic, and this is more on the national or conference level, 
its conference realignment. And I think it became real for us as fans, USC, UCLA coming into the Big Ten when they released the schedules for 25 uh, or 24 and 25. Do I have that right? And we saw, you know what? USC is on Penn State's schedule both seasons. And that made it real for me. It made it real. And it's like, you know, when, when they're putting these schedules together, it's like somebody's got to have first crack at the, at the new toy that, that comes in. No disrespect to UCLA, but USC is the big show coming into town. And for Penn State to be the first team that gets that opportunity, um, it's really a, it's a, an opportunity I think that can change uh, the future of their participation in the big 10 forever. And the same can be said about USC, even though they're not officially there yet, but Penn state, you know, it's been like the, I don't know if, if it's ever really been talked about, like they don't have a rival, they don't have a rival. They, I mean, they, they just kind of don't, you know, they have, they have teams that had, they've had competitive series with, they've got the land grant trophy. Uh, they've got they've got that they they've been very competitive and they've been high level games against Ohio State I think to a lesser extent but still there against Michigan but those teams have each other and they're not gonna have they're not gonna have Michigan Ohio State and Penn State all play each other twice every single year so I think Penn State really um, kind of got in put into a favorable favorable position um, and they get a ch- they get a chance to maybe establish a rival and Dusty I would like to see that happen with USC. And in fact, I think USC is going to end up Penn State's permanent rival. Okay, I and what I've said it before. I think this Penn State doesn't have a rival on the schedule. It's the most overrated story going. Yeah, all they did was put out a two-year schedule, and this promise for what's going to happen beyond it. Oh, this is a permanent rival. It is until they have expansion again. Okay. Nothing yeah. is set in stone except for, and even those two seasons, would you be surprised if you saw two more uh, Pac-12 teams showing up on the Big Ten's foot uh, footstep? That's been the more recent talk. So forget that stuff. I don't care when Michigan comes to town, Ohio State comes to town, and now Ohio State, State College is going to be the place to be. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be bonkers. Look, Dusty, these fans are excited about West Virginia coming to town, okay? West yeah. Virginia. Yeah. What are they going to do for USC? Yeah. I'm, you know, like, I am ecstatic. That game isn't for a year and a half, and I'm already making my plans for that game. Oh, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on, on board with all that. You know, I think just to, to picture the game that they played in the Rose Bowl, uh, and the back and forth and the high scoring, like, obviously, you know, coaching staff is different there on, on that side and personnel is obviously different, but imagine that kind of game playing out. Um, you know, and I, and I do think that, that Penn state is, is pretty well positioned to play uh, a, a pack 12 style of game if, if they need to. Uh, but then you saw USC last year really struggle with, with good defense too. So um, but yeah, that, that, that's got a lot of potential and you think about just the, the USC in, in Beaver stadium and the excitement level, like there's just something different about a non-conference team coming to, to town for a big game. Like think about Auburn and the way that that felt, you know, uh, USC is going to have that feel. I don't know how many USC people are going to show up. That'll be interesting to me. 
Like, I don't really, I think of Auburn people traveling. Uh, I don't know if I think of USC people traveling. But I think if they, if you're a USC fan and you were ever going to travel, this is the one. I could picture a USC coach talking to a crew and saying, you know what, son, you come here, you can have a chance to play in Beaver Stadium under the lights in a whiteout game. I think it, that's how important it is. And from our side, the Penn State side, to see USC come into town, it's going to be crazy. And now, Dusty, what about Oregon coming to town? I mean, that's that's the next step. Like Oregon and Washington, it's like we're getting back to the same talking points as we had before. Now it's, start, it's starting to look and feel a little bit more probable than it was before at Oregon and Washington. Those are two big-time brands that fit in with, with the Big Ten. Now that they're already on the West Coast, I've been adamant that they've, they've got to add more on the West to make things a little bit better. And this is the opportunity. And the big talking point is always Washington and Oregon. Will they bring more money in? But I think it really opens that next time slot for television, late night games. All right, Dusty, that's it. We're out of time. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.